Open your Bibles this morning to the book of Acts again, the 8th chapter. Page 917 in the blue Bible in front of you, if that's what you're using. We're going to begin reading in the 26th verse of Acts chapter 8. You follow along as I read out loud. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And Philip rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. The spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep He was led to the slaughter like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, may I ask, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, And the eunuch saw him no more, went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Blessed are those who hear it and obey it. As we read through this story, it's a little bit longer in terms of a passage than we use some weeks, but there's not a whole lot of movement here. There's not a whole lot of detail with this story. But as we begin to unpack it, we see there's actually quite a bit here that we can learn from in this story. Let's start first by looking here at what we see with Philip. The first thing I want you to see this morning is, We see a man here who is willing to be obedient to God. Verse 26. The angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to a road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. God told Philip to go. Philip went. He was obedient to what God was telling him to do. He doesn't ask why. He doesn't ask, what's in it for me? God said, go, and he went. 
Now, while it's unusual for God to give specific directions like this, go to a specific place, God still does direct our steps today, doesn't he? How many of you have heard God talking to you and telling you that he wants you to do something? It may not be this specific, but God does talk. What we see in this story is that God is directing Philip's steps, and Philip is obedient. Number two, in this story, we don't just see a man who's obedient to God. We see a man who has some questions. This man was a eunuch. He has a a high position with the queen of Ethiopia, Candace. He's her treasurer. Now, we're told in the story, and this is important, that he was a eunuch. That was common in that day for people who worked in the royal court, especially when you worked for a queen, that you would be emasculated, castrated. The man is reading from Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. And when Philip goes over to the chariot, he hears him reading, and he asks him, he says, do you know what you're talking, what you're reading there? And he says, I don't know. How can I know unless somebody explains it to me? Verse 34. The eunuch asks Philip, who is this being referred to here? Is it the author? Is it the writer referring to himself? Or is the writer talking about somebody else? Who is being referred to? He wanted to know. But this is more, I believe, than just idle curiosity as you look at the specific words that he's reading. When we look at the passage that's being read, it's a passage about Jesus. And it's telling us that Jesus was cut down in the prime of his life before he had any children. Who can describe his generation is how it read in the text today. The New International Version said, who can speak of his descendants? You see, in the Old Testament law, if a man was emasculated, he was forbidden from going into the temple. If you were a foreigner, you could not convert to being a full Jew if you'd been emasculated. So as this eunuch was reading this passage about a man who didn't have any children, he might have been thinking, I can relate to this guy. He and I are in the same boat. You see, today, many people have similar questions. They feel cut off from God, isolated from a relationship with him. They want to know, where do I fit in? How can God work in my life? Is there any hope for me? And the reason they feel cut off from God is because they are. All of us are cut off from God because of our sin. Many people today are looking for something in life. One of the saddest things you'll see in life are people that are looking for something and they don't even know what it is. 
They just know they don't have it. They know they don't have something that they believe is going to give them fulfillment. They just know they want something different in life than what they've got right now. We see a man who is obedient to God. We see a man in this story who has some questions. And third, we see a man who's willing to answer those questions. By looking at what Philip does here, we can learn some important things that we need to do in our lives as we talk to people today about Christ. What do we see in Philip and what he does here? Number one, he's available. He's not just where he needs to be. God said, go to this point. He goes there, but when he gets there, he's available to talk to this man. He didn't set out that day saying, you know what? I'm going to go down the road and see if I can find somebody who has some Bible questions. He just goes down the road because God told him to go down the road. But being available means that we take the time to be with people. Here's a problem today. We are all so stinking busy, we don't have time for people. We're always running from here to there. Whenever we get here, oh, I got to go there. As soon as we get there, oh, I got to go here. We are so busy doing things, we don't have time for people. Specifically, time to talk to people about Christ. We may be busy doing things for people, with people, but we aren't making ourselves available to talk about Christ. We're just too busy. But if we are too busy to minister to people in the name of Christ, we are too busy. And we say, well, if I just had more time. No, the problem is not that we need more time. The problem is we need to be better stewards of the time that we already have. You are not going to get more time. I'm not going to get more time. We each are allotted the same amount of time every day, each of us. What we do with it is up to us. But we are not to spend our day doing the things we want and then get to the end of the day and say, boy, I could have done more for God if God would have just given me more time. No, we are to be faithful with the time that God has given us to be available for other people. This is important because the people that you're going to come in contact with are going to be more likely to open up and share their questions and their issues with you than they are with me. Many people, and I know you find this hard to believe, but many people care what I think about them. They don't want the pastor to know certain things that are going on in their life. And so they put on their little mask, they put on their little churchy faces, and they act all... They're not going to act that way around you. People are going to be more honest with you. People at your work are going to be more honest about their struggles and what's going on in their life. You need to be available in their life because they'll never open up to me. And I may never have the chance to even talk to them. Notice also that Philip doesn't just kind of wander around the chariot 
hoping that the eunuch will stop him and say, Hey, I got a question. Philip approaches him. Hey, I hear you're reading the Bible. Do you understand what you're reading? He initiates. He starts the conversation. That's important. Because there are people around you who have questions about God. They have questions about faith. But they might be a little bit timid to start the conversation. And what Philip does here is impressive because what he does is he just asks a question. He doesn't walk up and say, listen, you sit there while I tell you what this passage means. He just comes in with a non-threatening question. Do you understand what you're reading? And that opens the door for the eunuch then to say, nope, I don't. And then through that open door, Philip walks through and begins to explain to him what the passage means. We've got to be available to people, but we can't just be around them. We've got to start some conversations, folks. We just need to look at people and say, have you thought about what happens after death? Look at them. What do you think is going to happen when you die? Well, uh, I think I'm going to go to heaven. Okay. Why? You don't have to be confrontational. You don't have to be a jerk. You can just say, what do you think the Bible says about eternal life? What do you think the Bible teaches about how we can have eternal life? Start the conversation. I do believe, and I've had it happen in my life, people will come up and they will ask us questions. They do on occasion. But more often than not, we're going to have to get the ball rolling by starting the conversation ourselves. Third, not only should we be available, not only should we initiate the conversations, but we also make sure that we point people to Jesus. Look at verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began with this scripture... From Isaiah 53, and he told the eunuch the good news about Jesus. Let me repeat this point because it's so important. Point people to Jesus. Don't point them to the church. Point them to Jesus. Now, if you point them to Jesus, they will end up in the church. But we know too many people who end up at the church but don't get to Jesus. Point them to Christ. Because our salvation is not found in the church. Our salvation is found in a person. How many of you today, listen to the question, how many of you today know people who are having problems in their marriage but they're not having problems in the marriage because of the marriage. They're having problem in their marriage because they don't have a relationship with Christ. You know what I'm talking about? How many of us are guilty of giving people marital advice when their biggest problem is not their marriage? Their biggest problem is they don't know Jesus. And until they have a relationship with Christ, they're never going to have a good marriage. But we'll feel comfortable giving them marital advice, but we'll never point them to Jesus. Always, every chance you get, point people to Jesus. Next, we also see here a man who has some questions. And 
Philip begins to answer them. I believe that Philip, in talking to this eunuch, made it clear what this passage meant. It said he opened it up and he explained it. Be understandable. Is that a word? Be understandable. Make sense. How many times have you started talking to somebody about the Bible and they started explaining it to you and by the time they were done, you were more confused than when they started? Don't try to answer people's questions by being so deep and impress them in such a way they're just scratching their heads. I don't know what you're talking about. Be understandable. Break down the passage in a way that makes sense. Jesus talked in Luke's gospel about the religious teachers, the lawyers in his day, who had the key to understanding, but they were locking that up. They were keeping the scriptures locked up so people couldn't understand. Open the word of truth. Don't lock it away. Don't confuse people. But how can you explain what the text means if you don't know? Right? How can you make it understandable to someone else if you don't understand it? That's why it's critical for each of us to know the basic truths of salvation. Why it is that we need a Savior, who the Savior is, how we get salvation. If we don't understand that, how can we make it understandable to anybody else? We've got to make sure that we know it in our own mind. What we see in this exchange between Philip and the eunuch is important. Because this, I believe, is the primary way that people today are going to hear the gospel. Think about it. This is one man talking to another man about Jesus. What's the problem? For too many of us, we think that the way that people can find out about Christ is just invite them to church and we'll let the pastor tell them about Christ. It's not about church. We don't invite people to church. We invite them to Christ. We have to tell people about Jesus one-on-one. I hear people all the time say, well, I'm, not, I'm just not a good speaker. And I want to look at them and say, liar, I hear you talking to people all the time. Most of us are not called to share the gospel with more than one person at a time. And God is only saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do what you do all the time. Open your big mouth and talk. Oh, I can't do that. Yeah, you do. And most of the time when when we get started, we can't shut up, can we? Okay? You don't need to have a speech. You don't need to make a presentation. You just need to talk to people and say, you know what? I found power in my life through Jesus Christ. I found purpose in my life through Jesus Christ. I found meaning. All these things. What has God done in your life? Can you talk about that? Yes, you can. On Thursday, I took a tour of Detroit, a photo tour. It was was great. We went to different abandoned sites, abandoned churches, abandoned schools. It was amazing. The things that we got to see sneaking in through broken walls, 
everywhere we went, there was graffiti. Tripping over empty spray paint cans that kids had thrown down when they were done. But the, the graffiti was amazing. These kids have talent. I'm in this church. It's abandoned church. And I'm seeing these messages on the wall. And some of them definitely were not Christian messages. Shouldn't be in a church. Shouldn't be anywhere. But as I'm looking at one of these things on the wall, it was a Christian message. It's beautiful. And I thought, how stupid. Go out and buy a bunch of spray paint to spray paint a message on a wall on an abandoned in the church that nobody goes in. And I'm thinking, this is stupid. Nobody can see it. You ought to be outside doing this. People are going to go home today. Preacher said we should be spray painting graffiti on walls outside. <laughs> it's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying if you're going to do it, shouldn't you do it outside where people can see it? And I'm not making this up. As I'm standing there in this church looking at this graffiti, the voice of God said, yeah, that's about as stupid as people in the church keeping the message of Christ inside the church instead of taking it out. And I'm like, shut up, God, I'm on a tour. Don't bother me. Right? How many of us are guilty of keeping the message of Christ in the church when the people who need it are out there? Too many of us are guilty of talking freely about Christ here among people who already know Christ. The people who need to hear about Jesus are out there and many of them will never come into church unless you talk to them about Christ. And to simply say, why don't you come to church, is in their mind just saying, you know what? Do what you're never going to do. They're never going to come to church. They don't know anybody in church. Many of them don't like church. Their understanding of church comes from 40, 50 years ago when they were kids. You talk to them about Jesus yourself. Number four, not only do you see a man here that's willing to be obedient to God, a man who has some questions, a man who has some answers, but we also see a man who's willing to change course. Now what we see in this passage is obviously much shorter than what actually took place. Luke doesn't give us all the details of what took place here. But even in this shortened version of what happened, we see the eunuch come to realize he needs a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He wanted to follow Christ in obedience and he says, hey, stop the chariot, I see some water, why can't I be baptized? Obviously, in the course of this discussion, Philip tells him about Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross and what it means to be committed to Christ and how you show that commitment by being baptized. And he yells at the driver, stop this thing, I want to get baptized. We see a man who wants to change course. He wanted to follow Christ in obedience. And baptism is a picture of that change in direction. Baptism doesn't save us, but it shows that change in direction. 
Last month, I took the day and I, I went over to the zoo to snap some pictures. And as I'm walking along, I see this chimpanzee, and he's walking, and I know where he's going. So I ran around to get to the spot where I could get his picture. And I get to the spot just a little bit late. He's walking past me. And the only thing I can do is get his back. I don't want his back. And so I called out. I'm like, wait! Daryl, put the picture up. I said, wait! And he did. He's walking from left to right. He's, he's like this, and I stopped. I said, wait! And he stopped, and he looked at me. He let me snap a couple of pictures at him, and then he went on his way. Now, the first thing I did is I thanked him. I did, honestly. I'm not sure what the people thought. I said, thank you. Because, you know, chimpanzees, they have feelings too. You know. So I was polite and I said, thank you. And then I had this thought. This is the truth. I thought about, you know, yelling at a chimpanzee to stop and he stopped. And I thought, I have better success with getting chimpanzees to listen to me than humans. How many times do I try to get people to, to listen and to, to stop, and they won't? And I'm talking to Trish about this, and I'm like, Man, this is bad. I'm like, I can get a chimp to listen to me, but I can't get humans to listen to me. And she said, honey, don't worry about it. She said, animals always listen to their own kind. <laughs> it is not our job to get people to stop. It's not our job to get people to change direction. It's simply our job to tell them the truth. Ultimately, they are the ones who have to make that choice for Christ themselves. But we need to be clear when we talk to them, to be understandable and say, listen, if you want your life to be changed, then you better change your life. Many people today want life to be different, but they don't want to do things differently. The message of Christ is there is hope, but the hope only comes if you're willing to change. And if you're trying to hold on to your life and continue to live the way you've been living, it's not going to work. It's not our job to get people to change. It's not our job to get people to stop. It's simply our job to tell them the truth, to offer them Hope in Jesus Christ. But you know what? As I look at this story, I see something else. I see these two men going back and forth. I see the man there who has the questions. I see the man who has the answers. But I see something else. Did you see it in the story? In verse 26, God told Philip to go to that road. In verse 29, God told Philip to go close to that chariot so he could hear what the man was reading. Notice also, I see God bringing the man who had answers to the man who had questions. Also, notice this man who's reading the scripture. 
He didn't, Philip didn't just go up to the eunuch and say, well, let's get a Bible out. Let's start talking about it. He was already reading the Bible before Philip got there. What's that tell you? God was already at work in his life, even before Philip showed up. What's the point? The point is we see God's hand in these things all the way through. This is a sign of God's providence as God is moving the man with the answers to the man with the questions. God is at work preparing the heart of this eunuch, which reminds us that no matter what we do, unless God is working in a person's life, we can't bring them life. We can only bring them the message of life. Only God can change a person's life. We've been looking at this story, though, from what we see. We see Philip in his obedience. We see this eunuch in his willingness to change. We see God in what God is doing to bring about this change. But you know what? Everything that we see in this story back then, we see today. What? You don't see the people around you who have questions even today? What? You don't see the same God who's at work in Acts chapter 8 at work in our lives today, in the lives of people around us. There is a God who is positioning us just like he positioned Philip so that we can be at the right place at the right time. The only question is, Will we be obedient? There are people with questions. There's a God who's moving us to be there at that time. The only question is, will we be obedient and speak to them? Philip is obedient to the voice of God when God says, move. God says, go, and he goes. Good things happen in our lives when we're obedient to God. Did you hear me? Good things happen when we are obedient to God. When we sit back and say, well, God, what's in it for me? Maybe I'll do it later. If you do something first, good things happen when we're obedient to God first. When we hear the voice of God telling us to move, we move. We've seen these men in this story. Now the question is, can you see you in this story? Can you be a Philip in the lives of people around you who have questions? You see, it doesn't do any good for us to be at the right place at the right time if we're not willing to do the right thing. What does God see when he looks at you? We've spent 30 minutes looking at this story and what we see. What does God see when he looks at you? Does he see a man, a woman, willing to be obedient and to do what it takes to bring the gospel to other people? Does he see obedience in your life as you show concern for other people? Or does he see someone who's just so busy doing your stuff that you never have time to do God's stuff? Church tradition tells us that this eunuch, after Philip was taken away, that this eunuch went back to Ethiopia and he took the gospel to that country. The good news of Jesus came in and changed his life and he went back home and he told others about Jesus. Are you? 
Most of you sitting here today, if I were to ask you, do you believe in the life-changing power of Jesus Christ? You'd say, yes. Has your life been changed by the power of Christ? Yes. Now, what are you doing to take that message to the people around you? This is how the work started by Jesus continues. By people taking the message continually to people around them. There are people in your life, in your circles, that I will never meet. I will never have the opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. But you do. Some of you have break time with them every day. Some of you have lunch with them every day. God is giving you the opportunity to be that witness in those people's lives. Here's the question. If you won't be the witness to the people in the life of those around you, who will? Who are you waiting to take the message of Christ to those people in your life? Your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. If you won't take them the message of Christ, who will? Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful today that the message of Christ has come to us. That faithful people over the years have been sharing the good news until it came to us. Now God, challenge our hearts today to take that good news to the people around us. To not just talk about you in general terms. To not just talk about church in general terms. But to specifically invite people to commit their life to Christ so that their lives might be changed. God, I pray right now, during this prayer, that your Holy Spirit would prompt our minds with names of people that are in our lives right now, that we already have relationship with, we already talk to them. God, give us a name of somebody that you want us to share the gospel with this week. And God, help us to be like Philip and to be obedient and to go. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.